Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? Amen. God bless you guys. Open up your Bibles if you would. We're going to be going to the book of Deuteronomy in just a moment. And today, the title of our message is A Chance to Get It Right. How many of you would like a chance or perhaps another chance to get it right? Wow. You know, that's what I'm hoping for every day. Every day I'm hoping for a chance to get it right. Uh, the Bible is not only a book of history. It not only gives us the story, his story, history, his story. The Bible not only gives us history of the creation that God uh, you know, created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and the animals and the trees and you know, the grass. It's not only a book of history. It's not only a book of creation. It's not only a book showing us how God interacts with mankind. But the Bible, uh, even though it is a guidebook for every generation, the Bible is a road map for life. We don't need to just look at it as though it were a historical account. We need to somehow find a way to make application of God's Word in our lives. This is the challenge of church. This is the challenge of discipleship. This is the challenge that Jesus gave His disciples in the Great Commission. He told them, I want you to go all over the world and I want you to teach people what I have taught you. Go and make disciples in every nation. And your challenge is to reproduce what you have learned about me in them. Your challenge is to share the gospel with them so that they can share the gospel with others, so that they can share the gospel with yet others. You see, each generation has a challenge that God has given them, and that is to reproduce in others. Because the moment that we stop reproducing, whether it's the moment that we stop having families, or if it's the moment that we stop leading people to Christ, we have already decided that, that you know, we are headed toward extinction. If we do not reproduce, if the church does not reproduce, if we don't make disciples then we have one more generation of Christians, and that's it. The church is always one generation away from extinction. Well, that's why God intends that we take His Word, the Word that He shared for 6,000 years. He wants us to share our testimonies. He wants us to share teachings. And He has given us his word as a road map, not just a history book, but a, a guidebook for life so that we can search for answers. 
Get a Bible. Get your hands on a Bible. And if you say, I live in a country where, you know, uh, where, where they don't print Bibles and, and Bibles are against the law. Do you all know there are, there are places where if you are found with a Bible, you, know, you can be put in jail. Not just you, but also your parents can be put in jail at the same time and your children. Three generations have to spend their whole life in jail if you're caught sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, as a church, we have smuggled Bibles into countries that they don't allow Bibles. In fact, in one day, our church carried enough Bibles in to give, five, excuse me, to give 200 pastors of secret home churches of Bible of their own, pastors who had never seen a Bible, never had a Bible, you know, uh, didn't, could not access a Bible. We gave them to two thousand pastors that pastored an average of 500 people each our church in one day made an impact in more than one million disciples lives this is what the church is busy about all over the world you have such a great advantage there has never been a generation in the history of the world that has had access to the word of god like we have access to the word of god Today, you can pick up your phone, providing you, don't, you aren't in one of those countries that has blocked all those apps and that, that, that disallows that, or, or that if you get caught with it, you could end up going to jail, you could end up being executed, especially if you were witnessing. If, you know, do you know in some countries where we do missions today, I can't name the countries, but in some countries, uh, our leaders going into that country have to sign a statement saying that they will not convert anyone to Christianity while they are there. Isn't that interesting? You know, uh, it, 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 it is amazing. There are anti-missionary laws in so many nations. We are in a great nation. We are in the United States of America, praise God. Amen. And this is the 4th of July weekend. It is the birthday of America. Happy birthday, America. But our nation was founded by God on purpose, with a purpose. And it's important that we realize God has given us such opportunity to know His Word and to share His Word and to live His Word. This is a guidebook. And if you read this guidebook, it'll tell you to go and tell others. If you read this guidebook, it'll tell you to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked and to give water to the thirsty. If you read this guidebook, it will tell you that God is keeping a record in heaven of the things that you do. And you do not get to heaven by works. You get to heaven by the grace of God. We get to heaven because Jesus paid for it. But the Bible says every man will be rewarded according to his works. You get to heaven by grace, but you are rewarded eternally by what you do for Christ. And what you do for Jesus is done to other people. What you do for Jesus can only be done for people. That's why Jesus said, in that day, I will separate these people and I will say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came and ministered to me. And people are going to say, when? And he says, when you did it to others, you did it to me. What a revelation. We have a guidebook for life. And every time that we read a story in the Word of God, every time we read an account 
in the Bible. God has intended for us to overlay it on our lives so that when we overlay, rather, we overlay our lives on top of that scripture, we should be able to see who we are in that story. Who are we in that account? Who do we want to be? Who do we not want to be in that account? You see, the Bible records God interacting with mankind. The Bible records how God wants us to behave and how He does not want us to behave. Life, uh, in, we're told all about life right here in the scriptures and God intends that we might understand by overlaying these stories on our life how he wants to interact with us how we can have a deeper relationship with him how we can find a route that directly leads us from where we are to his will for our life you know uh, we can usually as I said find ourselves in every story of the Bible and that's an adventure all on its own, especially for those of you who love to read novels. For those of you who love to read novels, let me tell you, the, the Bible is one of the greatest novel. Uh, it, is, it is a wonderful story, and you can put yourself in every chapter. You can find yourself there, or you can find the person you want to be. Or the person you don't want to be. For those of you that don't like novels, you don't like reading. For those of you that are more about, you know, um, uh, uh, do it, I want to do something, you know, uh, how to do it kind of books. The Bible is the perfect book on how to do it. Okay? Do it yourself. Okay? Self-help. It is, I mean, for those of you that love to read or, or listen to motivational speakers, you know, so that you can improve your life, the Bible. Listen, the Bible. You can get yourself some, you know, some AirPods or something and, and, and turn on your Bible and you can listen to a motivational speech. Uh, go to the Sermon on the Mount. Go to the Psalms. Man, when I read my Psalms this morning, I got all excited. It was Psalms 19. Woo! Just set me on fire. Man. I, got, I thought, man, that David, he's got something. You know, the best motivational speakers in the world you'll find right here. The best stories. You like romance novels? Oh, come on now. Read the book of Ruth. You like stuff that's just a little bit edgy? Oh, go to Song of Solomon. You like wisdom? Proverbs. Listen, the Bible is a guidebook for life. We need to overlay our lives on it. This morning, we're going to read a verse, two verses, actually, uh, that's going to be the heart of our message today. Two verses that Moses spoke directly to the children of Israel at the end of their wanderings in the wilderness. Just to set the stage... It was, you know, about 1,500 years before Christ when God sent Moses down to Egypt to bring the children out of Egypt. The children of Israel had disobeyed God in the wilderness, and they ended up wandering around for 40 years. When that 40 years was up, God wanted the children of Israel to know what he expected. A new generation with new leadership. 
What is it that God expected? And so Moses called all of the children of Israel together, and he's making his parting speech to them. And he's telling them what God expects from them, what God wants from them. And um, uh, it's, it's nothing new, but it is something that we can lay our lives on so that we can see what God expects from us. In the story, if we were to make an overlay, it would look something like this. We would be the children of Israel, and Jesus would be the Moses. Our future would be the promised land, and we are told how God wants us to behave and what we need to do in order to please Him. So we can make this word that Moses said to the children of Israel 3,500 years ago, we can make it applicable as God intended to our lives. So without further commentary, let's just uh, um, um, go to this. And, and remember, he's speaking to a generation that's not perfect. That's you. He's speaking to a generation whose parents were not perfect. Again, that's you. And, uh, uh, but he's telling them that they have a chance to get it right. That's you. You have a chance. Even though you're not perfect, even though your parents aren't perfect, God is going to give you a chance to get it right. Okay? God gives everyone a chance to get it right. Have you found Deuteronomy chapter 30 yet? I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. I'll be reading these two verses this morning. It's going to be verse 19 and verse 20. Let's take it personal. Let's imagine Jesus is speaking this to you because you're not perfect and your parents hadn't been perfect. But your future is important to Him and the decisions you make are going to last for generations. Today, verse 19 says. What does that mean in today's word? Today. Look at somebody and say today. And we're not talking about you making a decision next week. We're not talking about all the decisions you made last week. We're talking about today. Okay. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. Now remember, this is a personal word from God to you. Today. I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Well, which one do you want? Okay. I mean, I don't think we have to have a show of hands. But which one do you want? Do you want life? Do you want blessings? Or do you want death and cursings? Do you want to live in a, in a sad, drudgery, you know, depressed, worried frustrated, aggravated existence? Is that what you want for your future? That's what God is saying. Which one of these do you want for your future? Today, today I have given you a choice. I have given you a chance. Today is your opportunity. And I am putting the choice before you. Life or death, blessings or cursings. Now he said... I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Angels 
are watching today. Angels are watching right where you are. Heaven and earth. Not only are angels watching, your children are watching. Your children's children can remember this day. Your parents, your friends are watching. That's one of the things we see throughout the whole Bible. Do you know that all of the Canaanites were afraid of the Israelites? Why? Because they were watching. We saw what you guys did to the kings on the other side of the Jordan. We're watching. We know how your God blesses you. We were watching. You know, uh, in Acts 16, when the apostle Paul and Silas were thrown into jail and they were beaten and put in stocks, in the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying. And the Bible clearly says, and the prisoners were watching. They were looking. They were waiting. And when God opened up the doors, He opened up all the doors. You see, today God has set before you blessing. Today He's setting before you a choice. Life or death. You know, Today He is calling on. God is, the voice of God is saying, watch them and see what they choose. Watch them. Watch your friends. See what they choose. Watch your family. See what they choose. Watch your enemies. Let me tell you, some of your enemies are about to get saved and it's going to shock the living daylights out of you. Some of your enemies, some of our enemies are about to get saved. You, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't start out the Apostle Paul. No one knew, including him, how close he was to salvation. He was standing right on the edge. It happens every day. Some of the worst enemies of the church, some of the worst enemies of those, in, in, in those nations that are persecuting believers are about to get saved. Watch and, and if it don't happen, okay, well then say I was wrong. But watch and see. It's going to happen. It always happens. God is calling heaven and earth to watch and see what you're going to do with your choice. Angels are on assignment just waiting to see what you're going to do with the choice God has given you. Oh, Jesus is saying. Oh, Moses said. Oh, as he's speaking for God from heaven. Oh, that you would choose life. I hope you choose life. I hope you choose Jesus Christ. I hope you choose forgiveness. I hope you choose peace. I hope you choose joy. I hope you choose life. That's what he's saying. Oh, that you would choose life. So that you... And generations following you that come from your loins will also live. Wow. You see, sin, the Bible says, visits the third and the fourth generation. But righteousness endures to a thousand generations. The decision that those men made in 1776, 56 brave men, that's why we're here. They didn't do it just for them. It wasn't just about that generation. It wasn't just about that tax stamp. It wasn't just about that moment. 
It was about our moment, and it's about all the other moments. And what we do today is not just about us. It's not just about God blessing us and giving us a new car, a new house, or or a happy vacation. It's about generations to come because what we tolerate today becomes the norm for tomorrow and what we stand up for today becomes the foundation and the bedrock of generations to come. We must choose life. (laughs) Oh, I went to preaching. I didn't mean to do this. I was just going to share a nice little iambic pentameter word or something. Oh, that you would choose life. You know, this is... This is how I feel every time I preach. Oh, that you would do what the Word says today. Oh, that you wouldn't leave here and forget or let some demon rob you of the Word today. Let some trial or hardship dry you out and and choke the life out or some cares or the Bible says the riches of this world choke the Word of God out because of some secular pursuit and so that generations have to pay a price they would not have had to pay had you chosen life today. That your children would know Jesus And your grandchildren would know peace and family. You see, you have a chance to get it right. Without respect to what you did yesterday, you can't go back and undo anything. You can't untie. You can't do. You you can't fix yesterday, but you can affect tomorrow. Decisions make a difference. And you have a chance to get it right. Listen, uh, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Look, look at the next verse. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God. I love the fact that he doesn't only tell me what, he, what, what I can do and tells me what he hopes, but then he tells me how to do it. This is how you can make that choice. This is how you can choose life. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, number one. Number two, by obeying Him. Woo, tall order. No, it's not really. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you and spitefully use you. And, you know, forgive and, you know, give and, you know, and, and, and be kind. And, you know, and, uh, you know, by obeying. You can make this choice. Here's how you make the choice for life. Number one, you love your God. The Lord your God. And you obey Him. And number three, you commit yourself firmly to Him. You just go ahead and let your roots go down and stand and say, As for me and my house, I am going to serve the Lord. I am committed firmly. I'm not going to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. I can have so much more fun over here in the kingdom. An adventure that is worth my life. Oh. Commit yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Wow. This is the key to your Loving God, obeying Him, and committing your life to Him is the key to your life and to your descendants, to your offspring. Listen, do you want your children to go through the same hell you went through? Fix it right here. Hello, nothing you can do about yesterday, but there's everything you can do to impact tomorrow. It's a choice today.
Today's the choice. Oh, that you would choose life. And here's how you do it. You love the Lord your God. You commit yourself firmly to Him. You know, you obey Him. And, and, and look, this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, boy, here's, here's a promise. You will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what Jesus is, Jesus is telling us. That's the promises of God. That's the kingdom. We live in a kingdom that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they died without seeing. We have, been a we, we, we have been given a kingdom. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of God is within us. We have a wellspring on the inside of us, a Holy Spirit of God producing fruits of love and joy and peace and gentleness and faith and meekness and temperance and patience right inside of us. A wellspring of life. Life is and always has been a series of choices. Life is... Most often, very predictable, it unfolds according to the choices that we make. Some people decide to get married or start a family, and other people decide that they're going to wait until they finish school or start a career. Some people decide, they make a decision to join the military, become a teacher, take a job at a local plant. Some people make a decision, they just decide, I'm going to start a world war, I'm going to rob a bank. It's a choice. Some people decide they're going to you know, slap the person next to them. It's just a choice. Hello? No doubt today you're going to make some choices. You'll make some decisions today. Today you will make choices. Okay. Every time you get to a choice, you ought to say to yourself, okay, hold on a second. Is this life or death? Is this blessing or cursing? Is this me and my commitment to God? Is this in accordance with me firmly committing to do things that please God, to obey Him, to love Him? It's the key to my life. And if you love and obey the Lord, yeah, well, you know, we are living the results of our decisions. And that's the way it's always going to be. Today, I'm going to encourage you to decide for Jesus Christ. If you have never been born again, if you have not made a firm commitment to your salvation, then make it today. If you have not made a firm commitment to live according to the principles of God's Word, which are good, they're not hard, they're not harsh, they're not bad. You know, some people say, I don't want to be a Christian because I can't have any fun. I heard that this week from one of those young men. I was sitting in the airport talking with one of these young men. And uh, maybe you're listening today. Kelvin, if you're listening, God bless you, man. But Kelvin said, you know, uh, I, I, I was raised, you know, uh, uh, in, 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 in one certain denomination. He said, we didn't really go and didn't really know that much about it. He said, but the fact is, I, I didn't really want to make a commitment to Jesus because I thought if I did, I couldn't have any fun. I thought if I did, you know, it would be boring. Life would be, you know, um, let me tell you something. Come and follow me around. My life is not, I don't have a boring second in it. Okay? Go and follow Royce around a little bit. You'll see how boring Christianity is. You know? You know, come on. Get with the program. This is the greatest life. This is the greatest excitement. And I'm an exciting kind of guy. My goodness, in 2024, I'll be 70. You see me up on that Derek? On that old Derek? That's, that's wonderful. 
I'm thinking about buying another airplane. I told Brenda last night, I think I'm going to buy me another airplane. I'm just so excited about it. You know, I was watching people doing it in a short field as they were flying places in Alaska and setting down, and they didn't have enough runway to stop. I thought, you know, that'd be something wonderful. Oh, Brandon, wouldn't you love to go and do some of that with me? And when land, I'll tell people about Jesus. Why not? You know, you don't have to be boring to be a Christian. I went and ran with the bulls for my 50th birthday. Well, I ran from the bulls. I didn't run with them. I did run with them for a while, but as soon as I could, I got away from them. You don't have to live a boring life. You can witness for Christ everywhere you are. Just a firm commitment to Him. Firmly committed, loving God, and simply obeying His Word. It's not a bad day, it's a good day. Today. Have you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Not just your Savior, but your Lord. Not just fire insurance, but a way of life. So that there will end up, you know, a smile on your face and joy in your heart. So you don't have to wonder who's knocking on the door anymore. You know, I used to want, when somebody knocked on my door, uh, Jeff, you was this way. <laughs> you never knew who was going to knock on the door. Oh my goodness, who's that? I don't want to go to the door. I certainly don't want any of my family going to the door. No telling who it was. You know, you want to wake up with some peace? You want to wake up, you know, believing that today is going to be better than yesterday. You want to go to bed at night so excited about your tomorrow, you don't even know what it's bringing, but something stirring on the inside of you called the Holy Ghost. You want to walk up to people and all of a sudden you just feel like you want to just lay your hands on them and pray for them and tell them about a good life that God has for them. And you just can't help yourself, so you find a way to do it. That's, that's, you know, that's Jesus. Loving the Lord your God. You know, uh, these men, these 56 men that we saw sign the Declaration of Independence in 1776, these men were brave. They recognized something. The preamble to the Constitution of the United States says that our Creator, they must have believed in a Creator. Yeah, they were all men who believed in Jesus Christ as Son of God, Savior of the world, and Lord of their lives. Their writings are amazing. And unfortunately, people in the past, some of our generation in the past, some of our imperfect parents of the past have removed those things from our schools. So that we're no longer taught that Benjamin Franklin is the one that says it is God who governs in the affairs of men. You know, wow. All these, you know, uh, t- read the, the three-point message by Thomas Jefferson sometime. I read it this week. You know, Jesus Christ. John Jay, the first Supreme Court justice appointed by, by uh, our, our first president, George Washington. He said that, that basically no man is fit for office to run for political office who is not a born-again Christian confessing and living the Word of God. Somebody somewhere decided otherwise. You might say, you sound like like one of those radical people. Oh, I am. I am very radical. You know what the word radical means? Back to basics. That's all it means. It means somebody who is basically 
fundamental, back to basics, just back to the simple things. It is radical to know where you stand, to love your God, to obey Him. It is radical to firmly commit to God. But listen, my God is a loving God. You better hope I'm committed to Him, okay? Because without Him, I have an anger streak in me. It's Him. It's by the grace of Almighty God that there is anything in my life that allows me to stand up here. Jesus Christ is a good Savior. He loves everybody. He don't want to hurt nobody. And if I obey Him, I don't want to hurt nobody. If I follow Him, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be critical. And you catch yourself and say, nope, I'm going to obey Him. I'm going to stop gossiping. I'm going to stop uh, being condescending. I'm going to stop being full of pride. I'm going to stop being jealous. I'm going to stop being angry. I'm going to harness myself. Why? Because I'm firmly committed to the one who is firmly committed to me. And I'm going to obey Him. And I'm going to end up showing my children and my grandchildren the way of life. It's a choice and every time you have a choice choose Jesus choose love amen choose love thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date as well receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world Today and every day, God bless.